Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spear Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. I'm your host, Jaden Smith, and so excited to welcome Antoine Lofton to the show. Antoine, thank you so much for taking the time. For those who don't know you, we always start with a softball question. Who are you? I am just a guy next door. No, <laughs> I am Antoine Lofton, uh, Assistant Vice President for Human Resources, Staff and Labor Relations for both Duke University and Duke University Health System. Uh, currently serving as the Vice President of Human Resources as an interim position. Um, and, and I'm enjoying that. Who am I as a person? Um, and it's funny that you should ask that because who I am as a person also matches what it is that I do for a living. Um, I'm an HR professional. I'm not human resources. And in order for me to be successful in what I do in business as it relates to human resources, I must be viewed as an actual human resource. So I'm, I'm just an overall go-to guy. Whatever the need is, the question, I'm the person that may not have the answer, but I guarantee you I can find it for you. That's ultimately who I am. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. I love that. And so, um, Antoine, can you kind of, you know, obviously have a couple impressive roles, one that you permanently hold and then the one that you're, you're filling in, um, in, and can you share with us how you've gotten to the leadership position you're in today? Sure. Um, first of all, it's no, no one good thing of my own. I'll start by saying that I have been surrounded by wonderful leaders, um, wonderful leaders who believed in sharing their intellectual knowledge with those around them. They believe in mentorship. They believe in looking at the individuals that was working for them and making sure that there was a transference of knowledge and really building on their weaknesses. So I am where I am today because I have worked with some wonderful leaders um, who saw um, those characteristics in me that needed to be um, shaped or sharpened. And that's how I got to where I am. I would love to say it was because I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. <laughs> but I would not be honest. I would not be telling the truth. I have worked with some wonderful leaders, wonderful visionaries, and I am because of them. And I, I hope that I continue to position myself in a manner that there are generations that will come after me that can say that I actually left that door ajar for them to do the same. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, so Antoine, um, you know, I think that it's so easy to, to see someone in a, in a position similar to yours at an organization like Duke and think, wow, that person, you know, similar to what you said of like pulling up your bootstraps, but wow, that person's just so incredible. They've never had any struggles that they've overcome. Like, obviously you don't get to a position like that with, without, uh, you know, just being perfect, right? No, only kidding. But uh, so, you know, to kind of bring uh, back down to earth, can you share with our audience one of the 
greatest failures or struggles that you've overcome in your leadership journey that has allowed you to reach the heights that you have? Sure. I think for me, I've always been a very hands-on person. Um, A struggle that I have always had, and I will take it a step further, being not just transparent, but also being translucent, Um, a struggle that I still struggle with. Um, And that is being 100% hands-on. There are leaders who oftentimes feel as if they have to not only be the visionary, but they have to be 100% the implementer as well. So they're coming up with the vision, coming up with the plan, and working the plan. Um, One thing that I have to constantly um, work on myself is making sure that I am moving rapidly to meet the growing needs and demands of the corporation, the university, or the health system, or the hospital. But I'm also moving in a space and time frame where those that work along with me are very clear on the vision and that they understand how their roles tie into that, putting uh, metrics in place that are not only just tangible, but visibly uh, positioned in a manner that those that work with me see what's happening uh, at the same time so that we're all moving at the same speed to get to that desired um, outcome. So just making sure that I am cautious and I'm I'm not going so fast and moving it through that I'm losing those. That should be on the journey alongside with me. Yeah, absolutely. And we um, at Spirit Consulting, we read this uh, great book. It's called uh, Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business um, by Mm -hmm. Gino Wickman. And Mm -hmm. it really focuses on how it's how it's crucial to really have the visionary role and the integrator role within an organization because if if someone is trying to like do both <laughs> sometimes that can you know definitely cause a challenge um, yeah. so appreciate you you sharing that and i think it's so easy when you are ambitious and, and driven to just want to like hey like i'm we're going to take this across the finish line let's get it done uh, but to bring those along with you as well. Well, let's let's look at it this way. Let's say I am from New York and I'm a driver, excellent driver. But I am now a driver that was recruited and retained to go live in Chicago. And you're from Chicago and you're in the back seat. Now, I'm an excellent driver, Just driving to New York, driven to other states. But now I'm in Chicago, I have the vision. I can tell you the appropriate way to manage, supervise, and use that vehicle because I'm a driver. The person in the back seat may be from Chicago and they will say, Yeah, you have the vision. You know how to get to uh, from A to B. But the person from Chicago who knows the area, they do the work every day, they may have the best route. Why am I using that example, which was probably a terrible example, but <laughs> I'm using an example to show you can have a visionary who has a wonderful vision and the vision that they have would be perfect for that operation, for that university or for that hospital. But you also have people that provide support, people that actually do the jobs every day that may say, 
your vision is going to work, that's a great plan. We might need to tweak it here or there because it might be quicker if we're able to move this to that. So you need all parties involved to really move that vision away. Uh, we'll move it uh, down the road uh, much quicker. So uh, that, that's something that I, I constantly work with. And when chatting with my peers and leaders uh, across the country, those are things that they look at as well. Yeah. And so, you know, Antoine, to to take the those visions that you have and, and work with work with teams cross-functionally um, or, you know, uh, downwards on an org chart, um, you know, that really, that really, you know, is predicated on having relationships with those people. Um, if you don't have the relationships, you could have the best idea, but no one's going to buy into it because who is this guy, right? So uh, would love to hear kind of your, your approach as to how, how you go about building relationships as a leader? Well, number one, I do not believe that anyone works for me. That, so that was the first thing when I heard you state that. Let me clarify that. People work alongside me and people work with me, but no one works for me. So that's number one. Um, I believe in creating an environment where people feel as if we are a team and I am not asking anyone that works with me to do anything that I would not do myself. Um, and then secondly, I try to ensure that I get to know the person, not just the role in which they play for the organization where I'm working. Um, so there's more conversations than just this is what we need to see done for the organization. I want to get to know who am I working with? Um, let's talk about our our shared common common commonalities, the things that we have in common, and how do we build on that? I want each person to realize that I see them as an individual first, and then I see them as an employee or a part of the team, so that I'm not just looking at them as an FTE, but I actually see them as a person. Couple of things: people always want to be seen, heard, and valued. Now, why is that important? If you're able to impress upon employees those three things, when it's a season or a part where we might not be able to give them the financial increase due to what's happening in the economy at that moment, but they still feel committed to the brand because there's a buy-in, they feel like they're connected. So then they're not just an employee, they feel as if they are a brand ambassador. So those are are the things that I love to see happen. I believe in creating multiple streams of communication where even if a hard decision has to be made, I enlarge that conference room so that more people are there in a position to share their point of view or to share their vantage point while understanding that after we have created this space for them to share how they're feeling, we still have a responsibility to make that firm decision at the court, at the, the um, uh, top leadership level. But you make you want to ensure that your employees feel heard. So we work hard to do that as well. Yeah, and lots of lots of good stuff there. And as you kind of talk through um, getting to know the person and finding those common interests, I think there's you know there's kind of a a hesitation from some leaders to to get to know the people as people um, because there's you know 
personal and professional. And some, you know, some people think there's this big, great wall of China between the two. And really, you know, it's probably more like a chain link fence where things cross over between the two. But how do you draw the line between, you know, kind of those, those personal shared interests? Um, or, or how do you, how do you approach, um, you know, finding out what those are? Um, without crossing any sorts of lines. Sure. Well, I think the first thing, if you're if you have been identified as a true solid leader, I want to say trust your gut, and your <laughs> gut would tell you, um, as well as body language, your gut will tell you if you're crossing over into a dangerous zone. Um, but sometimes it's just by stating the obvious, just a basic conversation. Good morning. How are you doing? You wait for the person to respond. Uh, doing well. We're stuck in a, a little bit of traffic. Well, what is your route? And you just start having basic conversations. Now, let's be realistic. When you're in the workplace or if you're outside of the workplace, on either's end, trust is not built within first five minutes of a conversation. <laughs> It's over the course of social interacting with people. So it could go from one, uh, your departmental meetings, acknowledging someone, hey, congratulations, great job on project uh, A, B, C, or D. Um, we want to congratulate this employee for years of service. And then as you start to break out of those formal setting meetings, you start to pass each other in the hallway. Hey, how are things going? You stop in their office just to have a conversation. Those are the things that start to build um, relationships and, and bonds that are needed. You know, so it doesn't always happen the same day, but get to know your employees and drop in and um, just chat with them and get to know what their interests are as well. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riverlightchicago.org. Again, riverlightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Yeah, absolutely. And so can you share, Antoine, maybe a time where you struggled to build a relationship with a key stakeholder and how you were able to navigate and overcome that? I can't actually. Uh, many years ago, I was new to an organization and a very um, major decision had to be made. And that leader came to me not trusting, not in a position to yield the decision to me, nothing negative. They just did not have a relationship with me. I had not worked with them long enough where they felt they could 100% yield to the decision that I was going to share. Um, while I could have stated, uh, well, in the position that I am, that I'm in, the answer is yes or no, and this is going to be the end of it. But that's not how you handle things. You use those moments as teachable moments. Um, and so in that moment, I cleared my calendar for about two and a half hours and sat down with that leader and explained to them the legal ramifications 
um, this is why we do this. This is why we can't do that. I can get you to where you want to be, but we may have to tweak your plans so that we are minimizing legal exposure from the institution as well as legal exposure for you as the individual. Two things happened in that two-hour meeting. One, they started to understand labor laws. They started to understand minimizing legal exposure while they were also getting the chance to understand how I process information, how I render a decision while giving them a chance to get to know my personality so that the next time something happened, we started to have that um, relationship and they were viewing me as more of a business partner instead of a decision maker. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's such a crucial, um, you know, distinction to make and, and, and working, you know, with, with HR professionals all around, I'm so excited to see like how, um, you know, how HR professionals are being seen as business partners and true business partners and rightfully so. Um, there's always, you know, some old school executives who may, you know, see that person like Toby from the office is the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, uh-huh. the analogy uh-huh. I always make. But um, so many, you know, organizations really seeing that, you know, true expertise and, and, and guidance and partnership that HR can provide. And, you know, so kudos to you for recognizing that that was an opportunity to really just sit down and talk with that individual um, to start to build that trust. Um, and I'm sure it just made life and work that much easier afterwards yeah. by just taking a little yeah. bit of time to invest in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it didn't. So Antoine, we talked a little bit, um, you know, earlier about, you know, how, how you, you see yourself as a, as a visionary and someone, you know, with, you know, that kind of foresight to move, you know, um, initiatives or an organization forward. Um, at an organization like Duke, uh, a very a very big organization, and I'm sure that, you know, those sorts of initiatives and such don't happen overnight. I always say that it's, you know, it takes a little bit of time to turn a big ship. Um, it's, not a, it's not a speedboat that you're just, you know, rapidly moving. But how do you how do you go about, um, you know, when there are those those initiatives to be led or you recognize um, that? How do you go about gaining buy in with those sorts of changes? And how do you deal with team members who who might be reluctant to that change? Well, I think it goes back to one of the answers that I gave you earlier. Um, you're able to minimize having employees feeling reluctant when they feel like they have enough informed information uh, to get on board and to really understand what could be happening over the next couple of months and or years. So by creation of things such as town hall meetings, um, virtual meetings, department head meetings, unit meetings, Um, where you're constantly sharing information. That is a big piece where you're sharing information, where you're able to forecast over the next six months or the next year. These are some top-ranking priorities. 
in which we're going to be working on, people are much more amped to um, get on board when they understand the direction in which an organization is moving. Um, but then you are going to have some that may need a little more information. So while having those communal meetings, town hall meetings, Zoom meetings, you also leave your door jar for individuals to reach out to you independently. If they kind of want to talk one-on-one, how will this affect me? Create avenues where they can do that as well. When you are rolling out big or huge projects, one thing to always remember also have it broken down in a manner where you may need to explain how it's going to affect every level or class of employees. Um, be willing to explain and or show how um, each individual FTE or each individual job working in an effective unit, be able to show them how their contributions or how their position will play a role into whatever the project may be. Um, how their role plays a vital role into getting us across that finish line. When people see uh, that their contributions will be a part of a goal or something that would be accomplished, they're more apt to move alongside it. Now, I'm going to be 100% honest. You're going to always have a certain percentage of individuals who may not see it until after it's accomplished and then they understand how it got there. Or you're going to have some that may not see it at all, but they would be more willing if you have established yourself as a leader that has their best interests at heart. Some people will still go along alongside with your vision, even if they don't 100 percent understand it, if you have proven yourself in the past to be trustworthy. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you how do you balance, you know, thinking of those you know, bright, shiny new ideas and new initiatives or big projects versus making improvements to what's already there? How do you strike that that balance between the two? There is no balance between the two. It's an every day you have to do what's right for an organization daily, not monthly, not annually, but daily an institution has to make sure that they're watching the trends to see what is working to see if policies that are currently in place are uh, meeting the needs of its employees, its students, its patients, if we're, if we're looking at Duke. But it's, that, that, that goes for anywhere. Um, and if it isn't, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to pivot. And make sure that you position yourself by knowing six months from now or a year from now, we may be returning right back to these policies or these practices, changing it as well. So making sure that you're in a position where you can always follow the trends and figure out what's working, what's not working. Daily laws are being changed. Daily employment practices are being changed. Daily, whatever the most pressing matter, a pandemic, um, in that moment, you have to go with change. So just making sure that you're in a position where you are able to pivot if need be. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I remember our last, uh, our last conversation, uh, was one where a, a big decision had been coming out and it was like, oh, this is like, this is a change to change. <laughs> like, there's always something in, in the, always. in the, the landscape of, uh, you know, uh, the economy, the political landscape, the social landscape, the legal landscape that's changing. So really love kind of, 
the idea of just being ready and able to pivot on a daily basis uh, versus being kind of like stuck where you're at. Um, Because I think far too often, you know, organizations find themselves stuck. And then, you know, once they decide to make a change a month or two later, they're so far behind that change now that that they're at a disadvantage. So that's super helpful uh, advice there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Antoine, earlier you talked about some of the the mentors that you've had in your career and those individuals who have really enabled and empowered you um, to um, reach the heights that you've you've reached thus far and really want to kind of circle back to that and give an opportunity to shine a light on those individuals um, and also, you know, learn more about how you're giving back and mentoring that next generation. So, so first, could you just share with us more um, about some of the various mentors that you've had in your career? Absolutely. I'll answer both of those. So one individual in particular was one of my professors, Dr. Uh, Wilbur James Abington, who is now a full professor at Emory in Atlanta, Georgia. I will never forget after working um, as a student advisor at that moment um, uh, and uh, working with him for a number of years while I was an undergrad and then also working with him as an intern, uh, he had a partnership with Hampton University, uh, the minister's uh, conference that happened annually uh, down there. NGIA publications, different different companies that he worked with that I served in a, in a student leadership role. I will never forget that while working with him on numerous of those projects, it gave me my background in business. Um, not knowing at that moment that that's what it was doing, but he actually prepared me for the business world. And once I got my, you know, as we as we as we call it, my real job, um, <laughs> I remember going back to him, wanting to say thank you for putting me in positions that really launched my career and gave me my business backing. And I would never forget when I went back to say thank you. His response was, "You do not have to thank me. This is it's this funny thing called service." And he said. Finding or positioning ourselves in the service of others is simply us paying the rent uh, that we owe for living on this earth. Um, So if you want to really show that you're thankful for an opportunity where someone mentored you, when you reach that next level, when you get that promotion, when you ascend to that next level, when you break that glass ceiling, when you break through that door, you leave the ceiling open, you leave the window cracked, you leave the door cracked so that someone can come in behind you. So those same skills that you found meaningful to get you where you are, turn right around and teach those set, that same set of skill set and the skills that you've learned on your own uh, as you moved up the ladder. Share those things with individuals. So I am very big on that while ensuring no matter where I go, that I'm leaving that door ajar for the next set of leaders to come behind and to go farther than I have. And so I'm, I'm always um, working with young people in the community. I'm always looking for opportunities to be a mentor to someone. But then also 
uh, working with the young people to explain to them that you don't necessarily have to have lifelong mentors. Sometimes mentors come into your life to mentor you at certain stages of your life. Um, when I was in high school, I had one set of mentors. When I was in college, I had another set of mentors. And believe it or not, the mentoring and being a mentoree never ends. Even at this stage in my life, while I am mentoring individuals, there are people that I still sit at their feet and seek guidance from as well. So the learning process never ends. It's a continuum. I love that. And I love the, um, you know, kind of his, his response to that of, you know, this is, this is your rent. <laughs> you know, this is how, this right. is how you give back for like the opportunities you've been given is just to, to help leave that open for others. Um, and I think that one thing I always, you know, remind people, and like you said, the, the learning never stops um, and, and positioning yourself, like whether it be as a mentor or as that mentee in a position where you're providing value, where it has to be a two way street, um, because mm -hmm. I think so, so often you see. Um, you see like where it might become a one-way street and then the relationship dies down, right? Because it's just like, oh, I'm giving all this to you, but what am I getting in return for this? Um, and, and, you know, being able to, you know, provide insight or just a friendship um, to, to that person who, who's serving as a mentor to you um, you know, really, really allows you to get the most out of the, uh, out of the relationship. Well said, well said indeed. Absolutely. So Antoine, last question, you know, um, that, that I have in terms of, you know, uh, your, your leadership philosophy and approach is we have seen so many changes, uh, as, as we talked about earlier, the pivoting and the changing. And so I've seen so many changes in the work environments and the ways that people are, are, are working and, you know, a, a shift towards more positions operating either hybrid or fully remote. And would love to just hear some of the innovative ways, um, that you are engaging remote staff, because I don't think that's going to go away. And so the, the, uh, the leaders in the audience, you know, are going to continue to face that challenge. So wondering if there are any things that you are doing to, to tackle that. Well, it's a couple of things. And it's, it's hard to believe that during a national pandemic, pandemic, we were still hiring people. So remember, uh, recruitment didn't stop. Hiring people did not stop. The vision and the mission of our organization continued to be the same. So with that being said, it was a little difficult at first. Uh, how do you onboard someone during a pandemic when usually the first couple of things that people are learning is the characteristics and or the culture of an office? You know, who's the morning person? Who says good morning first thing in the morning? Or who is the person that pretty much comes into work, they're in their office, and they come out around 1030? You know, th those type type of things. Um, it, it, we had to be very intentional um, how we assimilated individuals into the work culture. So the same way we were intentional around setting up departmental head meetings or scheduling Zoom sessions to talk about business, we were also very intentional to schedule 
a coffee meeting. And sometimes we will um, call it that where you and I would log in. I have my coffee, you have your coffee or your tea. And we just do a five minute check in. How are things going? Um, have you gotten to know Susan? Remember, Susan is responsible for yada, 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 yada. So still programming those little check-ins to see how people are doing. One of the things that uh, me and my executive assistant does now, she'll send me a message on Teams. Hey, do you have a moment to check in? And that's exactly what it is. It's a check-in meeting. It's just to see how are things going? What can I do to assist you? How was your weekend review? Let's check up, chat about your week that's coming up. All of those things so that we're ensuring that we're still connected. Um, so those things are very, very much important. Then you have the other side of it. You have technology. Um, one thing that I don't have to convince anyone of is that this pandemic has forced all of us to, if we were not proficient in Zoom, I think everybody is now, everybody can screen share. People now know how to send a little emojis or the reactions or to raise their hand. Um, and the same is true in different um, uh, platforms that people are using during these meetings. But there are also a plethora of platforms that allow you to play games with each other. You know, um, different departments, especially different IT departments, have created games that were um, employment-centric. So it's a test to see how many people know what the values are, what is the mission, and can you guess what's the missing word in this mission statement? So doing these type of things and then using what is called something very old school, postal mail, send a card, check on a person, knowing your individual's anniversary dates are, let them know they're not forgotten, um, know what their birthdays are, send, send something there as well. So we're trying to make sure that everyone feels engaged. Another thing that we have also done is we try to come up with um, affinity groups so that uh, people are also um, uh, meeting under other people that have like backgrounds. A, a big one that just met yesterday were uh, veteran affairs. So a lot of our individuals that have served in the military, they're still meeting up to have virtual coffee as well. So uh, many things to happen. Um, I think the key is knowing your organization, knowing the people that are that make up your workforce and finding those shared interests and making sure that you're staying connected. I love it. I love it. And very, very helpful. Um, <clears throat> like I said, I think so many organizations ha have have shifted or are shifting the way that that the work environment or work is work is done. Um, so hearing how. Um, how you approach that and how Duke approaches that is super, super helpful um, information. So Antoine, if, if uh, someone in our audience today was really inspired by your story or your approach and philosophy and would like to reach out to network or, or learn more, how can people reach out to you? Absolutely. You can email me at Antoine.Lofton.com at duke.edu. It's amazing I don't email myself, so I have to <laughs> check it for a moment. Again, that's Antoine, spelled A-N-T-W-A-N, dot Lofton, L-O-F-T-O-N, at duke.edu, or you could always go to LinkedIn, punch in my name, Antoine Lofton, and I'm available there as well. 
Awesome. Awesome. And we'll add that into our show notes so the audience has uh, that handy. Uh, Antoine, just want to thank you so much for being a guest on today's episode of the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. Really enjoyed the opportunity to reconnect with you, share your wisdom with our audience, and I look forward to continuing the dialogue. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where we propel others along in their leadership journeys. If you enjoyed the show, would you please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listened? You can also visit www.spiritmco.com to find out more about how Spirit Consulting inspires virtuous leadership. We'll see you next time.